Yo, 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 yo. Whether you're wearing pants or not, welcome to No Pants Required. I'm your host, X3C, and thanks for joining. Let's dive into the quickie. I want to do something a little, dif- a little bit different. I will ask a series of questions, and I want each of you to say out loud the first thought for each question. If your response is yes or no, simply provide more details. Ready? Okay. Should students be banned from using smartphones in classrooms? Should teens be allowed to get tattoos? Is cheating on a test ever justifiable? Should teachers be required to wear a school uniform? Is peer pressure doing more harm than good? Should we specify who can or can't be a role model? Thanks for participating. <laughs> I, I wanted to do something a little bit different where it's not just necessarily me bringing up a topic. Kind of sort of wanted to know what you guys thought and get your raw reaction on it. So I will ask these same questions again on Instagram and share responses with everyone later in the week. And that's the quickie for today, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and others. Local elections and why it matters to your wallet. Can local elected officials help or hurt your wallet? Can policies by elected officials help or hurt your wallet? Well, today... I'm going to try to answer those questions and more in this episode of No Pants Required. Also, this will be my first time interviewing a candidate for local office. So let's dive into it and introduce our guest. But before I do that, I do want to tell a story of how we met. (laughs) Um, It's very interesting that usually the times where I see folks at my door, you know, folks, you know, show up. And they want to solicit, you know, you with some information or ask you some questions, a survey, or to try to get you to change over your electricity bill to their new provider. And you're like, who are you again? Why are you at my door? Um, but this time I felt just happy, I guess, that day. And I opened the door with a lot of joy and energy. And 30 minutes later, I was still at the door talking. <laughs> and so um, it was a good conversation about things that I really am passionate about in our community. And so it was very intriguing to to speak with this next guest about these same topics and just having a dialogue about that. So I would like to introduce today's guest, Andrew Insman, who's running for County Council District 7, Montgomery County, Maryland. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Perfect. All right. So before I jump into my monologue and, and, and dive deeper it was a good conversation that we had at the door. It's talking about things in the environment and the community. Agreed. Yeah, it was great. We enjoyed ourselves. We did. And so um, I do want to like cover some of those topics again today uh, for the listeners and just to just get more interest about yourself as well. Provide how can people contact you and get more involved in, into um, 
not just politics, because as I told many people many times, it's not a political podcast, but I think there are important topics that need to be covered um, in a certain way to help educate the community. So um, as many of you guys know already, No Pants Required is not a political or religious podcast. Mainly, I focus on business, technology, and personal finances. But voting for the right candidate can have a major impact to your personal finances. Please hear me clearly. When you are evaluating a potential candidate, don't just view the candidate from your own lenses. Consider others in positions that are not of your own. Too often we vote on our own personal perspective or perspectives and expect the candidate to dedicate their entire platform solely on our issues. That's very one and or narrow sided. Instead, what issues benefit the many is what I believe. So how does the candidate's policies or policy affect the overall community? We should have the interest of the larger community over our own personal wants. So that's my opening monologue, ladies and gentlemen. I do think, you know, when I'm thinking about not a politician, but I think about policies and things that are put out in, in the governance, I'm thinking, how does this benefit the community? And how do how do we shape this to benefit everyone? If you, you start to leave people out or single people out, it can create classism and it can create um, moments where people feel ostracized in the community. And then oftentimes some negative things happen or connotations come from that. So um, definitely want you guys to just keep that open mind as you're listening to this episode. I do ask my guests, um, first time guests, I should say, joining No Pants Required a question and I have it now. So tell me something you think is true that almost nobody agrees with you on. So I guess I'm going to go with that the U.S. soccer team is by far the best soccer team in the world and has a chance at winning at the 2026 World Cup. I love it. I don't think very many people will ever have that view, but we have a lot of young talent out there. That is true. And we could go. I mean, we have starters in the top five leagues in the world, and we could have a ton of talent, and they will be amped up to perform on their home soil. I am with you on this. I absolutely followed the U.S. men's national team uh, mostly for the past four to five years. I've been really involved, and this edition of the team is really good. But most of the viewers may or may not know is no team has won outside of Brazil or Europe ever. Yeah. So the fact that if that would occur yeah. would be shocking to the whole soccer world. If I, anyone outside the only team. thing gives me a little bit pause is we lost in my opinion our top and best defender to injury yeah we weren't we're not gonna win this year <laughs> okay good okay well, let's okay, solve that okay, okay, 2026 okay yeah. is our year this yeah. year i'm hoping for a quarter maybe semi-final all boils down to who gets into those knockout rounds that and is what we can do that is true but one of the things i love is now seeing teams not play not park the bus on us and play all defensive they attack us head on and morocco saw the pain that we can enforce on people when mm -hmm. we play head on what mm -hmm. you know a straight up game so it's going to be interesting how iran and wales face us but i think england will of course will be a tough match it would be a tough match but a, a draw will be outstanding Yep. You know, we'll take it again. I, I would absolutely like eight years ago. Exactly. I would definitely take that. Uh, what I like about uh, the U.S. men's national team, 
Uh, it's it's their energy, and I obviously I love the speed, but the energy and physicalness. I've watched them, and I've watched previous editions of our U.S. team and get pushed over a little bit. You know, not much force, and this team has the speed and the ball skills to like, you know. You know, get out of some tough situations. I do like that a lot. I mean, for the first time in our history, we have this camaraderie where all the guys like each other yeah. and all the guys are pushing each other for success in Europe. Yeah. Like before this, we'd have a couple guys in Europe, but not like this. Like now we have up to 20, 10 to 20 guys in Europe. They're going, coming every year and they're encouraging each other to stay. And I think that was a big problem in the past where there wasn't a camaraderie in Europe where they could call up each other and interact as yeah. Americans and understand each other's experiences and keep them over there. And I think that has changed a lot over the past five, uh, five to 10 years. Yeah, definitely. I also, um, his name just went blank to me. Um, I just call him the energy of the U.S. team. Adams or McKinney? Well, so you damn, you just hit, you hit it spot on. You hit it spot on because I I wanted to I do want to ask you this question about Adams, but I'll, McKinney is the energy to me. He is the energy and life of the U.S. team, and I love everything he does. I think Adams is the real captain of the team. He is the engine of the team. He doesn't get the credit. He gets to wear the the, the captain's band every few other games. I think Poliski gets too much of the credit because he's a scorer. The big thing about him, the reason why he gets so much fanfare is because he's still the largest transfer fee. He was transferred for $61 million when we went to Chelsea. Yeah. So they're still viewing him as Captain America. But a funny thing on Twitter, if you can, you can find it again, McKinney was sitting in the audience of Adams' press conference the other day. Mm -hmm. And McKinney asked him, you know, what can you do to help the American team the most? And Adams retorts the question back, what I don't know. What do you think I can do? And he goes, "You can play number six. You can do all the running for me." <laughs> <laughs> so that tells you how Albuquerque yeah. feels about Adams too. Adams has an engine that won't stop. Yes. You always need two or three of those in the midfield. In the midfield to to right. uh, have a great team. Well, thank you for playing that. Playing along, I think that was a really good, um, you know, good good take on it. And I, and I think we all will be looking in a few years to see how we we work. And I believe it's North Americans going to be hosting it. Yeah. Yeah. So perfect. It's, it's all three, but of yeah. course, most we're going to get most of the most games. Most of the games in the U.S. Yeah. All right. So diving in a little bit more and telling the listeners about your background, um, anything you would like to share? All right. So let, let's go from the beginning. I'm, I'm a D.C. Metro native from the beginning. I grew up 30 miles south of D.C. in Prince William County. And then I went to uh, William & Mary where I got actually a degree in chemistry. And I chemistry. spent uh, an experience in the Peace Corps in Jamaica. It's hard when you're when you're a kid to get what I would define as a remote entrepreneurial experience. When you're 22, 23, you're going to work at the bottom of the totem pole anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I felt Peace Corps is very different. Peace Corps, you're kind of in control of your own destiny. You get to do what you 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 make the differences you can make in this world, as well as just challenge myself. I'd never been out of the country at that point in time, except for a brief stint at, in uh in TJ, and you know what you do in TJ, just for for one night one night visit, right? Um, so I never got that full international experience. So I was there. I lived there for uh, about eighteen months. Um, one of the things in Peace Corps you're supposed to bring home, you know, to educate people about the country. I think I did a pretty good good job there because now I've been married for twenty one years to a Jamaican, and we have two lovely children. Nice. Um, then I, what got me to Montgomery County was the NIH. 
Okay. I worked at NIH. I worked in the malaria vaccine development unit, which anyone knows about malaria is never going to have a vaccine, unfortunately, because yeah. of the way it mutates. Similar to kind of the way COVID works. COVID, we'll right, discuss right. that later. And then segued in private sector and worked at different biotech fields for a while. Then I had this amazing opportunity where I was moonlighting at Kimmel Country Club and a guy just told me to work for him. I thought it was absolutely nuts, but he's like, you provide great customer service and I want you to work for me. And it was the opportunity I couldn't refuse. It was actually in commercial real estate, working for a company called Commercial Brokers. Okay. And with that company, that got me into my, what I call my second career in life. A lot of people have different careers, as you guys know, and my second career is real estate. So in real estate... I started commercial real estate, so I'm skilled in commercial real estate still to this day. Then I worked on what's called bank-owned or foreclosed homes. Mm-hmm. There, was, you know, that was the peak about mm, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, and I, I was known as providing compassion to my tenants. If my tenant, if a tenant was stuck and the house was foreclosed by the landlord, I give the tenant the best advice on how to get out, not just get out immediately and yeah. scare them away. I'd be like, all right, you can stay here for three months, save up some money, find a better place for you because we can't evict you until- Until the process works itself through. Exactly mm-hmm. right. So it's gotta go through there. I don't want, I don't need the property that, you know, we'll just let the process go through and you can kind of leave. So I want you to leave with dignity as opposed to me showing up and trying to trying to kick you out and at the same time, maximize your opportunities. Cause a lot of times landlords took their money, took their rent and didn't tell them they weren't paying their mortgage. So that was kind of a sad thing back then. But now I've segued all the way over to full-time real estate. Um, I love giving back to my community. It's very important to me. I've been a part of Rotary, which is an organization, their motto, Service Above Self. I've been a president of the club of two different clubs in in the Montgomery County area. One was called Up County Rotary, and my current one is Rockville Rotary. And now I'm the head of the Rockville Rotary Foundation. And what we do at the Rotary Rotary Foundation is we give out grants to up to 20 different nonprofits locally and internationally, up to $30,000 a year. We're a very conservative organization in the fact that we keep our corpus intact every year. So that money's just interest and fundraising made these past years. I don't know if uh, you saw it, but there was a big flag display out there in King Farm. No, I haven't. Memorial Day. No. Memorial Day weekend, we did a big flag display. We raised $11,000 that it's going to come right back to this community next year. And it was a Flags for Heroes. So we honored heroes from the Rockville Fire Department, Rockville Police, as well as other people's individual heroes. One gentleman was, was his brother was a MIA in Korea, the Korean War. Oh, wow. That was a touching story that we learned while we were sitting there at the field just monitoring our flags. Mm-hmm. So that that was another one. And then another thing I, I'm slowly doing is I'm slowly starting my own soccer club. Soccer club. Yeah. So I've uh, we started basically 15 months ago, and I have 50 kids. It's a keep soccer local campaign because too many kids at a young age start playing soccer and they they're traveling a half hour to practice and up to two to three hours for games when there's local competition. You don't need to go that far. Yeah, that's true. But I, I want the parents and the kid to enjoy their Saturday and Sunday play for, you know, travel for 15 minutes, play for an hour, get back for 15 minutes, as opposed to traveling for two hours, playing for an hour and a half and travel for two hours and your whole Sunday and Saturday are shot. That's true. Because in Montgomery County, we have a lot of soccer and you can play in a lot of different places to push yourself. And one of the things I always tell the parents, and this is true too, I don't know if Warren knows this, two players go to Europe in Montgomery County every single year. So you can't say the talent isn't here. You can't say the development isn't here because it's all here in Montgomery County if you want it here. I like it. Awesome. 
This is awesome. So um, why county council? Um, so that's, that's a good story too. So I didn't like, I'm always into community development, community service, community upbringing. And I've talked to a lot of people over time about different issues. And so many times, so many people were like, you should run for county council. You should run for county council. And I just go, now's not the time. Right. Now's not the time. I'm right. not ready. I can't do it. You should run for county council. And I heard it enough where this was the ripe opportunity because I'm not a person who is going to run just to put my name on the ballot. Okay. If I think I can win, I'm going to run. Right. And this was the unique opportunity where I was going to, where that could happen. There was a redistricting that occurred, which we'll discuss probably later. Okay. Um, in December and the, the spot I'm running for has no incumbents. It wasn't, it's in an area where I've been living for the last 25 years. So as soon as I say I'm running, I'm running, I had a built in group that were ready to support me. I mean, I did what's called public financing. I had to raise from 125 different people, $10,000 with a cap of $250 per person. And I did that in four weeks. Oh, wow. Very good. Um, because the support was there. I yeah. called up the people who all said, you know, I want you to run. <laughs> and, and they were legit. They yeah. weren't, they weren't blown spoke up my nose. They were, right. they worked it out so that, you know, husband, wife, $500, you know, husband, wife, 18 year old son, you know, 70, $750. So it happened, you know, piece by piece. It took a lot of work, a lot of phone calls, but I was able to do it in four weeks, which is one of the quickest times that anyone's ever done it. So the support was there and the voice is not there for our part of the county. Up County has struggled for over 20 years for a voice. And I know I can provide that voice because I have the experience in the Up County um, community to know what the Up County needs, how we've been failed by the County Council over the past 20 years and how to get things done so that we can have a coalition of groups that under coalition at the County Council level for the the parts of the county that have been disenfranchised for this long time. Yeah, it makes sense. And I, I can, you know, I've been in Montgomery County and, and, and as many folks know, you know, I'm originally from New Orleans, but I've lived here in Montgomery County for the past, oh, what is it? Uh, maybe 12 years now. And I've lived actually in the lower part of the county in Silver Spring for four and a half years. Downtown Silver Spring, outstanding, had a blast, had an apartment there. And then I ventured out here into District 7, into Montgomery Village. Um, well, if, I guess at the time it wasn't District 7, but into Montgomery Village, um, where I had a condo, enjoyed it a lot. It was, you know, a great part, but I also saw a, a big dynamic, and I'll leave it at that word, <laughs> within <laughs> within yes. uh, Montgomery Village. And it was definitely, you, you see, I won't say the struggle, but you see the haves and haves not almost if you will and then you see some disparate type of services that weren't happening to to some communities within the area and and then you will hear folks often say and i and i will talk about education later on but i will you know i just i hear people in montgomery county maryland say these words to me oh, i can't send my kid to that school a school in montgomery county um, I have to go to, and they usually check off like four schools. Usually those schools are near Potomac or, or Bethesda. And I'm thinking this county has good schools. And I'm from New Orleans where I was a former teacher in New Orleans public schools. I can tell you these county have good schools. 
and his county has resources. Um, I have not, I mean, the, the time I spent as a kid, my adult life to now, even living outside of New Orleans, outside of the hurricane, some of those schools never have been renovated or replaced. I've seen schools already replaced here in Montgomery County in the time I've been living here. Expanded. So I, I see where the tax dollars are going. You see them, you see those dollars at work. Um, but I just always like to challenge people, you know, you got, again, back to my monologue earlier, you got to break yourself out of your own personal perspective. You got to see the bigger picture sometimes. And that's what I help to, you know, do to people, share information where they can just think a little bit more broadly. But so as we talk about Montgomery County, and, and I do love Montgomery County. Let, I mean, let's not let's be very clear. I love living here. It's it's really fun and it's interesting when I'm at work. You know, folks talk about and most folks I work with um, live in Virginia, and they they when I say Maryland, you know, they kind of make these little faces, and I'm thinking, what is wrong with you? Something is in your eye? Because <laughs> um, clearly, I'm never going to live in a state where I got to pay property taxes on my car. It's never going to happen. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, but so looking at Montgomery County in general. Could you like provide an overview of like the districts, like from your perspective, the districts within Montgomery County, something you didn't offer something unique about district seven. Okay. So we'll, we'll rewind a little bit and just discuss county council a little bit. So county okay. council is both your, con if you think of uh, Congress, yep. it's the combination of both house and Senate. Oh, okay. so the way I describe it, because you have four at large seats, mm -hmm. which are kind of like your senators, I where they those. represent the whole county, they represent the whole population. And then you have seven districts and the seven districts are more the House of Representatives. They're a little bit le less because they have, I mean, it's one governing body, but they represent little parts of the, this, you know, one seventh of the county mm -hmm. verse that largest are supposed to re represent the, the whole county as a whole. Got it. To be blunt, we've had some issues with that you know there's a lot maybe with the with the uh at largest because a lot of them are down county so mm. they don't come up north county up county often enough to, to see what's going on here so there are seven districts let's start with the easiest one district three is smack dab in the center of the county okay it's rockville and gaithersburg city limits got it so it's that that's really simple for you rockville gaithersburg city limits then we can kind of go around like from the bottom of the clock to the top Mm -hmm. So if you go from six o'clock to about, about nine o'clock. Okay. So that area where your Potomac, your Bethesda area is, that's district one. And that guy's unopposed this year. His name is Friedson and he is the happiest. Uh, of course he is. He is the happiest <laughs> politician, probably in Montgomery County right now, because he's the only one who's unopposed and there's a lot of competition. Then district two wraps around from six o'clock or from nine o'clock all the way to 12 o'clock. And we're now blessed with two up county districts, and that's the other up county district. And in that one, is, it's contested. There are two two strong candidates, then another what I define as more of a minor candidate. That, is that like North Potomac and the Kentlands area? North Potomac, Kentlands, but the biggest focus in that area is Germantown, which okay. has about 90,000, and Clarksburg, which has about 40,000. Oh, that's pretty big. Okay. So Germantown and Clarksburg is the other up county district. Yeah. And then our district, District 7, is the the other the east northeast district that goes from basically three o'clock or 12 o'clock to three o'clock on your clock okay and our major cities are Durwood, where we are now mm -hmm. the shaded grove metro is the biggest center you know transportation hub we got here um, montgomery village which you're where your where your condo is mm -hmm. up to damascus so we get all of damascus and like a hand fan we wrap all the way down to only in ashton 
Oh, wow. So okay. we are probably the largest landmass. I think we're bigger than District 2, though Maryland and I will disagree on that one. Yeah, it's um, pretty big. So then we, so those are four. And the last three districts actually are in between, you know, that nine o'clock and six o'clock on the, on the clock. One is the far Eastern district, which almost looks like the number seven, literally. Mm -hmm. And then there's a central district. So Eastern district, the biggest city over there is Burtonsville. Okay. So Burtonsville is the biggest population center over there, but and it kind of has a little squiggly and leisure world is another big name that people know mm -hmm. with regards to that one. Mm -hmm. And then in, just south of us and to the east of west of that is, I believe, District 5, no, District 6. Um, all these districts down here, just as a correlator, have eight different people running and all of them have four or five legitimate candidates. So wow. that's one of the craziest things about County Council this year is there's going to be five new representatives and it's hard to predict who's going to yeah. win most of these races. The at-large is a little easier because there's four incumbent at-larges yeah. and then three other strong candidates. So you kind of know who's going to win, but the other ones they're not. So getting back to where we are, the number seven, and then the district that's that represent, there's another district that represents wheat, the Wheaton area. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest area. And some of that silver spring that's outside of downtown. Yeah. You know, 97 Georgia Avenue. Yeah. The just, Northern part of it. The, well, yeah, between 28 mm -hmm. down to Silver Spring, that area, yeah. that is the, that's the sixth district, again, a very hotly contested district. And then the final district is your Tacoma Park, Silver Spring, Kensington, North Bethesda. We refer to it as the Bowtie District. I mean, that's like a sweet district. Yeah, it's a Bowtie District. <laughs> it's kind of an interesting dynamic because you got the North the North Bethesda folk right. and you got the Tacoma Park, Silver Spring folk, wow. which is se separate groups. And there's honestly one really strong candidate in both of those sectors kind of battling out to see who can wow. bring out the vote and what can go. So it's, it's a very interesting local elections. And as we said at the beginning, local elections matter a lot. There's yes. a lot of different issues that affect your wallet in every part of this country that we'll, we'll discuss that local officials have the rights to change yeah. these policies, to change taxes, modify things. So we'll, we'll go into that more depth. Yeah, later. and I do like how you described it, where you say it's like the Senate and the representatives. Um, and I think that's pretty interesting uh, way to look at it. And I think it would be very useful for people who are voting um, to understand the, the, I won't say the power, but the importance of your county councils. Yeah, and so it's so you get to vote as a voter in Montgomery County for five people. So you get to vote for your district and the, all the at-larges. So mm -hmm. the at-larges, they, they have a bigger chunk of money, but they also have to cover the whole county. So it's a lot harder for their race to figure out what to strategize, how to get your name out there, how to get your name recognition. You know, with my race, I kind of know my, my strategies and my plans and how to reach all my voters. But honestly, if I was at-large, I think it'd be more of a struggle because 1.5, 1.2 million people That's right. is a lot more to kind of reach. And if you're not uh, a name politician, for lack of better words, it's hard to, to get your name. That's interesting. 1.2 million. And I tie back to my New Orleans days. And I remember living the New Orleans metropolitan area when I, before Hurricane Katrina was like 1.4, 1.5 million people. And imagine this county has almost more or the same size as the metropolitan city of New Orleans. Yeah. which is a pretty big county we're a big county yeah um so so back to um just 
you kind of sort of already covered like the uniqueness of the county. You kind of give a lot of that perspective. Uniqueness to District 7, though. Yeah. Let's let's talk about District 7. Let's dive in. One of the greatest things I love about District 7 is the diversity. I'm a big door knocking candidate. And one of the things that's amazing is I kind of check off in my head when I meet someone from a new nationality or mm-hmm. ethnic group. And I think I'm up to about 100 different nationalities that I've, that I've met on the campaign trail nice it is unbelievable the diversity we have up here the different people we have um one of the things that we have that only two districts have in the county is what's called the agricultural reserve mm-hmm. the outer bounds of montgomery county are it's kind of forbidden for them to do any development it's kind of a green reserve space where all you can do really is farm you say the outer bounding the the outer the outer boundary so in between us and frederick county and howard county okay if you kind of look it's kind of a you know, it's kind of a squiggly lines behind, around it. They, they, you know, up to 70, there's no real ag reserve for obvious reasons because there's development going straight up to 70. But if you look at the ag reserve, it's about a third of the land mass of the county. Right. So, so it's a pretty large land mass. The next thing we have a lot up here that we take pride in is, uh, is our brew, our brew houses, our brew gardens. There's a lot uh, of those. There are about five or six brew gardens up in the up county region. And then we have a lot of little, little festivals. Like for example, the strawberry festival one that comes up this time of year um i've we, not been to that one. Oh, oh, that sounds interesting yep so we're live so i can say this it's it's the next two days up up in the only sandy spring area well i have to check that out so it, it is a really fun experience um we have a lot of farmers markets so right. we're really big on food from farm to table you know it's a really nice experience and a lot of people have their own gardens in their backyards as well and in generally overall it's a very i've had a very friendly experience door knocking like i cannot say how nice the people in district seven have been in every area very rarely do i get doors closed once they realize i'm not selling them uh roofing mati- <laughs> roofing or siding or windows or painting right once i just get that first step in when they say what you're selling i go nothing at all sir they, they really open up and they can tell me what their views are and what's going on. It's not like a door slam as, as long as you let them know. One of the funny things that might amuse him is a lot of people open the door when and they have COVID. Yeah. They, they'll open the front door and say, I have COVID. And mm-hmm. they keep that, 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 that state, that sliding glass door there. And we'll talk in the sliding glass door. And I say, I'm going to drop my trifold. You get it as I leave. Yeah. Right. You know, so, so because for me, that's the other thing I do when I knock on that door, he can you can ask one he'll agree i take two to three steps back so i have that six (laughs) inches so if you open that door six feet so if you open that door you know and say that i'm like all right right we're still cool because i've got a lot of doors to knock and i don't want to get be down for especially in the county and it's interesting so you mentioned diversity and i went to a wedding here in montgomery county rockville uh, a few years ago and and it was uh, i can't remember what the signage said specifically but it was about our like our table locations and it i think at the top it said like the most diverse wedding or something or most diverse or whatever it was it was like people represented i believe 40 to 50 plus different countries was at this one wedding and what i loved about how the bride and groom did it it was each member's flag of their country was there uh, as your table um, number uh, selection that's cool very outstanding i loved it and so when you were talking about the diversity in this county i remember reading something a while ago so i started looking up on my phone and i'm not sure exactly how they did this but this was last year two montgomery county cities ranked amongst most diverse in the united states 
and they are Gaithersburg, Gaithersburg and Silver Spring. Silver Spring. Yeah. Yep, sixth and seventh. Yep. In the nation. Germantown's pretty high up there too. Yeah, and I was just gotta be Montgomeryville's gotta be pretty high up there. I'm like, this is very you know, it's all in this one county. And and, it, and the county's changed in a lot. That's what mm-hmm. people don't realize too. Uh Damascus has changed a lot, only's changed a lot. I mean, you see it in in our communities. It's just gotten more and more diverse, and it's a great thing to see. And it, it, the other thing is, everyone seems to be comfortable with it. Yeah, that that's what's great about it too. Yeah. It's just like everyone wants to see it. Everyone encourages it. Everyone's learning from each other. You know that that's always the fascinating things where I can learn from each other. Like one of the things I can go to some of my when I door knock when I see a last name that I now recognize. Going, mm-hmm. I can go. You know, the, the, the example I'm going to use is you're from Sierra Leone mm-hmm. and they look at me just all shocked because I can say they're from Sierra Leone. You know, I've had a lot of Nigerian clients, so it's really fun when I meet a Nigerian mm-hmm. because I'm like, you're from Nigeria. You, you recognize like, the last name. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, and people just get surprised to see that I can recognize. I mean, some of them are obvious. I mean, everyone knows where New Winds are from, mm-hmm. um, but other ones, you know, some African names are not like I can a lot of times recognize Ethiopian last names mm-hmm. from just previous experience in knowing kind of a lot of the Ethiopian surnames. So it's been it's been a real that's that's one of the things that really I love about District Seven is just the diversity. The other thing is we have a big diversity when it comes to to living environments. Yeah. Um, when you look at you know we have a hundred acre farms out there, and then we have you know tight knit apartment complexes and condo complexes, and it's 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 just a nice diverse mix of a lot of different things going on in a lot of different areas. So it really is a it, it's a great place to live. Yeah, and one thing I also well not one thing but additionally I like that when you see some locations you know you go across the country you visit different places you see the groups of diversity but they're not together. But here in Montgomery County the groups of diversity are together. You see them together at dinner or at lunch or walking around. It's not just you have your pockets of diversity around they are together walking around I, that's something they're engaged, they're engaged yeah. that I, I i absolutely love that um yeah they're 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 always talking debating just makes sense learning it's fun right and that's what the world should be about exactly. so in general what are the issues evolving district seven just like a general overview of what you think all right so one of the big issues i'm looking out the window is seeing is moving the bus depot. Um, one of the things that, that we're focused on in Montgomery County and it needs to be focused on is we have a major housing shortage in Montgomery County. Uh, we are short about 20 to 30,000 housing units. People, The housing market is not going to slow down anytime soon, regardless of what people think, because of the fact that we're just way behind in housing. Yep. And we've got to develop, we've got to build housing. And the bus depot I'm mentioning, mentioning because the bus depot is about... 500 to 1,000 units of housing that's right by a metro where people can live, work, and play in an environment where they're not moving their cars. You know, everything's going to be here. All the amenities are here. And I'm nervous about this bus depot because uh, the city of Rockville, you may not know this, is trying to annex a lot of this land that we're sitting on right now Mm -hmm. because the county's not moving fast enough so we gotta figure out how to move this bus depot so we as the county have the say of what's going on versus the city because the city's gonna may change things here as well as poor warren's gonna have a couple more taxes from the city because the city would uh would tax them for city amenities and stuff like that right so that's one big issue down here 
Um, another issue that we're dealing with is just, just infrastructure. We've been behind in infrastructure for a really long time. One of the things I'm thankful for is what we've been keeping on the, uh, keeping on the government, make sure the CIP to build a new Damascus high schools is going. So Damascus does is scheduled to start their planning process this next uh, school year. And hopefully by 2028, Damascus will have a new school. That one was initially built in 1950. Okay. Wow. So that, so that one's one, a little, that one's a little bit older. Yes, it is. That one wasn't built when you were around. So, so just getting the CIP projects that we've been promised, such as that bus depot, such as Damascus high school, such as connectivity, to our transportation hubs, to our, 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 uh, hubs of, you know, business hubs like Sherwood high school. There's no clear path from Sherwood high school to the only town center. There's no clear path from to Magruder high school to Durwood town center. There's no mm -hmm. clear path from Durwood, the Durwood, the one of the main Durwood areas to the Metro. So we got to get bike paths, uh, walking paths and all these paths to, to just it's what people want. We're in the 21st century. We need to connect people so they can not have to use their cars. We've got to do a better job doing it. Damascus has the same issues. The school's not necessarily connected to the rec center, which is not connected to the, the town center. Uh, and do a lot of redevelopment up in Damascus. Damascus, it needs economic development support. I feel it's been neglected for about 20 years. We need to work with Damascus to, to make the, to improve their master plan and allow development to come so they can get the amenities that they want because with population comes those amenities, which, you know, it's a give and take, but you have to have the, those issues. Montgomeryville is the same way. We got to deal with, 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 we're putting bloom in there, which is putting in about another thousand houses. But we're not giving them any any infrastructure relief. That's right. You know, they we tried with what the Watkins Mill interchange, but when they did that design, they forgot about one thing: all the all the schools on Watkins Mill Road as well. Yeah. So between it's a lot between seven o'clock and nine thirty, when the commuters are going on the highway, they're actually hitting the traffic from all the schools as well. So the morning rush isn't that good for them. Then coming home, it's actually a further exit away than 124. So they're still in traffic either on 270 or they have tracked on 124. So they got to pick their poison on how they're getting home. So the Watkins Mill interchange is providing great economic development. And you're seeing the economic growth and the houses around. The houses around, yeah. And you the, can actually see them now that the trees are gone also. <laughs> <laughs> they were, I mean, some of them was already, already there, but you can definitely see them now. Uh, don't talk to me about not planting those trees back well we will plant the trees back i hope we do somewhere in the county so we, so we got to get those trees back because that's of course global warming is one of my we got so many issues but global warming is another one that i i really am, am passionate about that we are way behind we have great great policy but zero implementation in this county that we we need to improve and we need to incentivize there's a lot of different ways we can incentivize this to make it better for for not just the county not just yeah. district seven but for the world overall yeah you know you talk about the bus depot so you know i uh I, I think maybe a week I, I don't know exactly how long it was but a few weeks prior to you know you knocking on my door um i actually watched the full hour i believe it was an hour and a half of the district counties i was actually the county's meeting i don't know which one it was and i watched the whole thing because i was definitely intrigued with where are these buses going to go and the conversation, and I can't remember the gentleman's name, who is over the district where the other bus depot is off of 270. Mm -hmm. He was talking about not co-locating 
the buses from here to there. When there's an obvious development plan that's, that's on the table for this location versus there's no development plan for that location. So to help the county out, it does make sense to combine them. And so as, as the meeting went on, one of the gentlemen said we can do an assessment. I think the questions was a few other items right, as EV bus charging and stuff like that. And the fleet to, to transition from gas buses to EVs. And do we have EV charging, which I found out there are EV bus charging across the street for um, buses over there. And just to start a couple months ago, just right. Well, right. And so then I'm now getting frustrated because they say, OK, we can revisit this in 2028, 2029. I'm like, excuse me. So we have to now wait to get development in our neighborhood uh, for, because the master plan that, that was described for us when we purchased this property was there's going to be a brand new elementary school across the street, a a standard soccer field slash park, if you will, in the middle of, of, of this section, additional housing and and I guess largely some commercial space. I'm like, this is a really nice area. Right now we're in West Side. That was going to become East Side. So it's a lot of development that can happen. And to hear the individual say FY28, FY29 was very disheartening, but not everyone felt that same way. So some of the council members really were pushing, we got to do something faster. And unfortunately, I'd love to say that this is a one-off thing in this county, but it seems to be happening a lot where we're building developments and we're not providing the, the amenities that that the developer said and we promised people. I mean, this is not the first. The, the, the bigger example, honestly, is Clarksburg. Okay. Clarksburg had a town center that the town center was supposed to be built 15 years ago. And it was initially predicated that that town center was built before any other shopping center was supposed to be built in Clarksburg at all. We are now 15 years later, and I don't even know who owns it anymore. At one point in time, the, the transfer of the, that land was just literally for a dollar because it was such a challenge that the developers were having between what the community wanted and what the market bared and who wanted to come in. Yeah. I mean, if a community wants Trader Joe's, but Trader Joe's don't want the community, Trader Joe's isn't coming in. You've got to realize that Trader Joe's is a business. If they don't feel they can make money, they're not just going to come in and plop down and we're going to lose $5 million a year because that's what the community wants. And so even to this day from why I know, I don't know what the development plan is for that particular spot, but if you go up to 70, you see the, the outlets are there. Yeah, the outlets are the houses are there. Tears teeter over shopping center with grill marks over mm -hmm. Aurora Hills. So the town center is still from what I know, a barren piece of uh, land, yeah. but everything else is built around it. And they were promised that the other thing they were promised was quicker and easier access to uh, the Metro Shady Grove Metro. They were supposed to get a road called M 83, which was supposed to be a two lane highway that goes straight from Clarksburg down to down to Shady Grove Metro. Oh, when it started, it was, you know, it was on the master plan. Wow. But from what I know, and I'm not hundred percent sure, I think it's disappeared from the master plan at this point. Interesting. I mean, and amended plans. We see those often. So, so Clarksburg isn't happy about that. And for me, it's honestly a sticky wicket item because part of the district's okay with it. But of course the people who live near it. Yeah. So, much. so I, I do want to talk about two things here. You talk about um, Trader Joe's and I have a pet peeve with Trader Joe's at the moment um, <laughs> and then transportation. So living in Montgomery Village, uh, we had a Trader Joe's there. Awesome. It was literally two minutes from the house. I could walk to the Trader Joe's from my old condo. Had. Loved it. Had. Capital <laughs> H-A-D. And 
Trader Joe's left. So it's not like the community, in my opinion, wasn't supporting it. Whenever I went to Trader Joe's, it was usually pretty busy, right? And it granted, it could have made more money. And I guess Trader Joe's did the analysis and discovered that they could. They moved, ladies and gentlemen. They moved across 270 into, I guess that's North Potomac. And now we have to drive all the way over there to go to Trader Joe's. Well, tricks on you, Trader Joe's. Down the street from our house, we're getting a Amazon Fresh store. So that's where <laughs> I'm going to start shopping. Your lost Trader Joe's. But I just felt that was very frustrating because it and did it did seem like the business was, and I don't know the financials, but it seemed like the business was doing well in Montgomery Village. And that was some a really good store in that community. And it's going to be their loss because yeah. we've got the the lake forest mall everything's been purchased there the owner the owner of the, the development developer owner owns the whole mall and hopefully within six months to a year that whole thing's going to be taken down right and you're going to get brand new townhouses condominiums you know the population there is going to skyrocket and guess what they would have wanted a trader joe's yes so if they would have you know stuck out there because the thing about the shopping center that Warren's talking about is the rents are low. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you pay rent for three years, take a little bit of a loss and then you get this new development where, where are they going to go to go? They can walk right to the Trader Joe's. Why yeah. not go there? It almost felt like a sellout in my opinion. You know, you just, you leave in this community who seem appear, well, appears to be a little less supported in the the greater scheme of montgomery county and to go over to a richer area um you know i think it was a bad decision because there's so much new development going in that part of the, the town between you know the lake forest mall but as we discussed with the wet west watkins mill all those new houses yeah they yeah they don't have a grocery store there for what i know right because the one the one over there food lion is not cutting it it's not cutting it that was even closer actually to my house then to the condo to the, uh then trader joe's another point you brought up was transportation and you know i hear our current governor talk about um you know just in general like expanding uh the trains and i feel i, I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer but I don't know if everyone really wants to take a train, for example, or people do just want to drive their cars. I mean, granted, we are in America and people love to drive their cars. Um, but I think about connecting, as you talked about, connecting the different districts within Montgomery County. Have there been like some thought to expanding the metro past Shady Grove? That's a great feed in. So let's talk about the metro. So one of the things that we do are we are in discussions of talking about is expanding the metro from Shady Grove all the way up to Germantown. Makes sense. So that's one potential option. Another potential option we're looking at is right now it's on slated for bus rapid transit, but with all the infrastructure money, we don't know what we can do. I am still a proponent of what's called the quarter city transits being a light rail. Okay. So what the quarter city transits does is it goes to, it goes through actually more of district two than district seven, to be honest with you. But it provides a real access from Shady Grove Metro all the way to Clarksburg. And it makes basically, if you start in Clarksburg, you're making a seat and you're picking up all the communities you, you can think of. You're picking up Germantown, you're picking up King Farm, you're picking up Crown, you're picking up Kentlands. So all those cities that right now are walkable communities inside their communities. Inside their communities, yeah. But they have to take their car to get outside the communities. We're trying to connect those communities to the metro because it'd be great for a guy who lives in 
Crown, King Farm, or Kentlands to say, I just hop on this train and I can get down to DC. Yeah. You know, they don't have to use their car to get down to DC. They don't have to go anywhere with their car. They can hop in the train. And that's kind of the vision I see in Montgomery County is, is over there, you know, up to Germantown, you know, get these, get these people, you know, ho- the Metro will improve. Yeah. I'm confident they'll, they'll, they'll improve they're, 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 They have their issues, but you know, I honestly, I've been on many metros in the United States. The Metro is not horrible. I think people may be short-sighted there. It's not a horrible system. No, um, and it's great for me personally. We utilize it a lot of weekends. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just simple. You go, you you can wait. You, I mean, it gives you quality. In some ways, it gives you quality time to your kids that you can't have as well when you're driving. When of you're course. driving, you got to focus on the road and you, you're multi-focused. But when you have a kid in a metro car, you can just have some quality time. And then you get those quality experiences when you go down there. You know, last time, as I tease, we were one of the last people who were at the Supreme Court before uh, there were lots of crowds. Right. You know, so uh, <laughs> right. so that was that we didn't expect that, but that was just fun. We got to take all those pictures on the steps, which mm-hmm. right now you you can't do. You can't do. So we uh, we like that's one of the things we like about living the proximity we are. And, we, and I want to extend that to more people in Montgomery County, because right now you, you, they really can't. They have to make those decisions. Do we drive all the way in? Do we drive from a long distance to the Metro? How do we get into the city? It's and frustrating think, getting in a city though. Cause it, it's parking in DC is horrendous. I don't do it. There's now, there are two places. I, well, if I go to DC, usually like 14th and U street. Cause I just like hanging out in that area. I, it's awesome. Yeah. There are two underground parking because I refuse to park on the street. That's one. And so I found, I, I found two places. One eh, it's not too bad. The price is okay. Um, about 15 bucks and you park underground pretty legit is centrally located the other one is in one of those new developments near Howard University but it's it's uh, maybe a two three block walk away it has free electric charging Ooh, which is right up my alley there you go. so you know there are times where you have to find those little nuggets to help you know get you down into DC that's a nugget <laughs> um, so you know, we talked about economics, transportation, housing. I don't want to just jump over. We can jump back to any of these topics if you want to just cover any of that. But education, you know, I, as a former educator, um, I think of exploring alternatives to how education is delivered in general, um, because I don't think it's a one size fits all. And I know we have a debate in this country at large about like public education. And uh, going back to my roots in New Orleans, it's a very high catholic environment a lot of private schools and it's always viewed that those schools were better than the public school systems well hey i went to all public schools and granted my high school was a magnet school so it was was a really really good high school um but you know i think about like how working on my master's degree in education leadership and policy i thought about like how education is delivered in some countries like our states, I should say, Connecticut, Massachusetts, they do some things a little bit differently. Um, also talked to a few teachers here in Montgomery County where there are specifically, there are programs that are allowed for students, but then I don't know if people know about all of these things that are offered in the county. And so I, talk, I think about capstones or, or, or milestones or capstones, if really, if you will. A kid starting at middle school, sixth grade, they're starting to formulate that idea. We have a curriculum around formulating that idea. So from sixth grade through college, you're working your way through an idea of something you want to either create, design, innovate, 
participate in whatever the case is. And then when you finish high school, you go directly into that or you go directly into like community college, which, by the way, I don't know if I want to do this on this episode, but college needs to be revamped in this country. Now this episode, we'll, we'll, I'll come yeah. on later when we yeah. discuss college. Yeah. College, yeah. college is, uh, yeah. We need to revamp it here. Yeah. Different episode. But, but I, so those are some ideas I have like in terms of like alternatives. So, you know. So, so let's start by saying my son, honestly, we, we missed the ball with him because there are a lot, there are three, there are two good alternative, like, you know, uh, bio, not biotech, um, engineering, robotics programs that they have that you have to apply for that's lottery based. Mm -hmm. And we got cut up with life and we just missed it. And some of his friends are actually going to these, uh, going to these programs that we just kind of missed the ball and it's kind of interesting because one of the programs is literally walking distance to his tennis so he could have gone from mm. the program to tennis and i could have picked him up at 5 5 30. um walkable so, communities so those are examples of programs that even i've missed that this county has but there are a lot of wonderful programs in this in this county one of the things i'm gonna mention too public schools we do have we do have one of the best public school systems in the county there's no country there's no way to doubt that and the high schools, even people say, oh, that's a weak high school. I can name you almost at every single high school in this county, a kid over the last five years has made it to an Ivy League school from a public a public high school that people may frown upon. Mm -hmm. But there are programs, if you achieve, you can do it. There's at least a cohort in every single school. Yes, that's correct. You know, Clarksburg, a girl from what I know, got into all eight. Ivy Leagues. She oh, got nice. all eight because she achieved. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's capable of achieving any school in this county at the high school level. It's a matter of you have to kind of seek out what you want. And then the other angles to look at it, because I, I, I'm, I'm one of those people who say, if you uh, have a cheetah and a fish, and you ask the cheetah to, to swim 100 meters against the fish, who's going to win? Mm -hmm. And then if you ask the, the fish just to run 100 meters, who's going to win? Mm -hmm. That's what you got to think about the education because sometimes we're putting that cheetah in the fishbowl and we need to really think about what people want to do and what they, what is their, their, their goals, because we have great vocational opportunities in this County where there are, are very successful, great jobs. Absolutely. And they don't necessarily need algebra two trig to do those jobs. You they do can not. be doing those technical jobs and we need to be able to, advertise those programs better in Montgomery County so that these people are employable. Cause that's what I'm big about with public schools. I want people who are either knowledgeable enough to, I want people knowledgeable enough to be citizens after they graduate, whether they choose to go to college, whether they choose to go to vocations, they need to be knowledgeable enough. One of the frustrated me that happened this past week, I don't know if you're aware is we had a financial financial course that was supposed to be a mandatory course that was in the public voted by the public education, public, uh, this board of education, and they voted it down, even though the student member of the board tried many different ways to get it approved. They voted it down because she saw it through her lens of course, and through her, the, her cohort, what's going on. And I agree with her hundred percent. And I feel it should have been approved because that prepares people for the real world. And if you're graduating high school and you're going on to a vocational job, you have to figure out these things on your own. If you're, you know, if you haven't been taught by your parents, sometimes you're blessed and taught by parents, but other times you're not. Right. And how can anyone turn down the, the, 
to provide an essential element to, to life in general is, is is financial education i talk about that often on the episodes on all of my podcasts where i'm you know again i'm not a financial advisor but i think it's very important to understand finances and i learned a lot of things growing up from my parent my mother mostly but you know i think it's important i could have learned other things that i had to wait until i've gotten older to ask people and everyone doesn't have that environment at home that's right everyone i mean there are people you know, some of my friends who are working 67 hours a week, they, they don't have time, honestly, to get to teach financial literacy as well as doing their job. So I think it's an essential thing for the schools to do. I, 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 I would have loved it when I was a kid. I mean, I was blessed to have a father who was an accountant, but at the end of the day, there was some stuff he was more conservative with his investments. So stocks and bonds, stocks were not something I necessarily learned. And nowadays there's just so many other investment tools besides the, the standard stuff. They are. You know, do you take a risk in crypto? What what do you do? You know, right now, you know, Warren shaking his head no. At this well, point. well, well, I would say you do. <laughs> um not if you're looking for gains though. If you're looking for immediate <laughs> gains, then you you that's don't do that. Yeah. Uh, but I will offer it yeah, absolutely because this is this to me is a long game. Yeah. This is 15 years down the line because the ladies and gentlemen, I've said it before and I'll say it again. And again, the metaverse will be real and you're going to need crypto to purchase items, transactions within a metaverse. It's going to happen. We cannot run from it. Your job right now may even be done in the metaverse. I'm telling you guys, you got to get on it. Just if you invest hundred dollars a thousand just do it let it sit there for 15 years leave it alone you will thank me later this is my surprise this is the first time this year was the first time i ever bought a bond oh can i talk about bonds real quick definitely okay so i have an idea and i've been having this idea for a long time i don't know how it could be done fully and i actually say this on a, another podcast actually i think bond is a way we can develop infrastructure wise our county mm -hmm. um some type some. of incentive where the individuals in the county can you know donate or pay into a bond and and get some small level of interest back on return because it needs to be some incentive incentive to do it but that bond would be money that the public is paying mm -hmm. not out not through taxes but just because we love our community we want to pay into this bond because we want to get that that walkable community you mentioned mm -hmm. earlier and when that piece is done the, the project is over the bond awards the individuals because they set money aside and the interest bared and now you know not only did i uh you know provide money or funds for this particular um, infrastructure activity or initiative but i'm also getting some interest back on it mm -hmm. it's like a win-win Absolutely. And as far as I know right now, individual, personal people cannot invest in those bonds. Just like for me, I've just, I, I'd like to take more risk than what bonds usually provide. Bonds are known as one of the more stable investments. Right. And my mom harassed me about this thing and you guys can look it up yourselves called I bonds. Okay. And what I bond is, is it's hedged against inflation. And now the government I bond is at 9.42%. Like when I saw that, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So if I put this in, I have to keep it in for a year. Mm -hmm. The next five months, I'm definitely making 9.42%. And depending where inflation is in October, which I still think is going to be still higher than we, we want it to be, 
it will, that next six months is how it adjusts. So for the next year, I'm probably looking at at least an 8% return on a stable, stable investment backed by the government. I don't think the government's going to bankrupt in the next year. That, uh, uh, government's not going to bankrupt, period. Exactly. So <laughs> I normally get that interest rate and that rate of return, which if you're seeing better, uh, let right. me know. You know, you can, you can disconnect through Warren if you want if you don't get you'll get my information later yes but at the end of the day I I look for those investments I always you know my my dad actually taught me mutual funds at a young age I was at libraries with the old I don't know if you know Morningstar Morningstar paper editions Morningstar is the group that rates mutual funds yes and yes I'm I looking do. Yeah. at Morningstar they have three different that three different ratings mm-hmm. you know return risk and I can't remember their third one and I was one of those kids, I, I was probably 10, 11, 12. I know it sounds nerdy, I apologize. But I was looking for the highest highest return, lowest risk, and most diverse, it was diversity. I was looking for like, so So I go through Morningstar as, a, as you know, I wanna say a teenager trying to invest my, my little, my little money from my newspaper route <laughs> to figure out where I can make my money because I always wanted to make my own money. One of my goals, and I didn't do too bad was once I graduated college to not be a boomerang kid. Oh, you know, a boomerang mm-hmm. kid is right. Mm-hmm. So I was only in my parents' house for five weeks after Peace Corps. And then one week in between Peace Corps, and my job in Montgomery County. You so speak, six weeks. Interesting. You brought that up. Uh, Cause I, <laughs> I was a boomerang kid for, but culturally I think it's also differently too, right? In some cultures. Nah. We had my, my want it to all be my that siblings way? were there. Yeah, some cultures do. Yeah, but my, all my siblings were were around probably between different stages in their lives for at least a year in my parents' house. So I did two, maybe my, two and, and a half years after college, um, back home, and it was outstanding because I not only saved a crap load of money, I also filled my uncle's shed with brand new sofas, <laughs> televisions, and everything that I wanted. So when I moved into my first apartment. It was already there. Everything I needed was already there. It was perfect. I loved it. It was outstanding. You had to get it there, though. Well, it was easy. <laughs> I have a bunch of friends that can, you know, there you go. pop me into like you know, a U-Haul, whatever the case well, is. Pizza and beer, huh? And some uh, Manchu wings. Shout out to the <laughs> folks from New Orleans who know what that is. Uh, so let's let's change a little bit direction here and dive into capital investment projects. You know, either those that you would like to see or something that's currently going on that you would like to see come into fruition. Industry 7. Well, we've, we've touched upon some, some of those Damascus high schools definitely getting done. Um, the bus depot, we're hoping that's something I really want to work on to get done, but hopefully before 2029, as yes. we're getting the fingers crossed over here and eyes, um, the, some of the stuff that isn't on the budget yet that I really want to get done is these, a lot of these connectivity jobs, getting from Magruder high school all the way to Shave Grove Metro is something I really want to get done. So there's two different places, both one on Redland Road, one on Munkester Mill Road that needs to get done. Okay. Um, improving the bike paths in Montgomery Village. Montgomery Village has a couple of bike paths that the way you describe it, the lanes disappear. Mm-hmm. Like you're driving along the road and all of a sudden it disappears. You don't know where you're going as well as the main Montgomery Village Road really doesn't have a good strong bike path. So getting those bike paths improving those bike paths that that's something that's going to happen in montgomery village trying to solve 28 124 and 355 for montgomery village because we're only putting more congestion on it with the lake forest mall redevelopment and figure out if perry parkway might be a solution 
or what the best solution can be because Montgomery Village needs relief. There's another way to say it. Yeah. I mean, they can come south of the metro and not have as much difficulty, but they can't get to 270 at all in the mornings. It's it's an absolute nightmare. I think sometimes I used to take Mid-County, but you're right, it is a nightmare. Um, uh, Mid-County will help bring me down towards... Um, the Shady Grove. The Shady Grove. Yeah. yeah, and that they shouldn't have to do that. You shouldn't yeah. have to go down, you know, take a five, six-mile right stretch you know to ex- just because it, it's going to be quicker that, that that shouldn't shouldn't happen so we need to figure out how to solve those failed intersections um bus rapid transit is an important issue but if we do it i want to see smaller buses and the reason why is because the big buses of 50 people and five f- five people in the bus it's not efficient it's not good if we can do like I don't know how many of you guys have gone to vacation in the Caribbean, but most Caribbean islands, they have the taxis fill up and go, go. Yeah. That's the way it works. It's not a, Oh, we're on a time schedule because we have a lot of buses in this County where we have 50 people, 50 people, buses and five people on them. So we can do fill up and go type schedule. Or, you know, if the bus fills up, we can go or figure out ways where we can do, you know, real express. Meaning if you go from Germantown and you fill up the bus at Germantown, everyone's going and it says Shady Grove Metro, you go straight to Shady Grove Metro yeah. and find ways where it can save time and not be cumbersome. Because honestly, for my daughter, one of the reasons why she got a license quickly in high school is because the bus system wasn't working for her. She just couldn't get around. She she would have loved to use it. And she yeah. promotes using it. But if she can't get around in an efficient manner, mm-hmm. she's not going to use it. When she has to call me to pick her up because the bus isn't you know, coming when it's supposed to, those, those are problems. Yeah. So I think um, it's important that, you know, folks to understand that looking at metrics makes sense and it matters. And as you just mentioned, you know, some of the cases with, with ridership is down, then, you know, we should definitely take a look at that. I recall some occasions, I don't know why exactly I took the bus when I lived in the condo to... The metro station but i did and it would at a time there was like 22 minutes from from the home to shady Grove metro station it stopped at every stop um, it was definitely annoying and i agree with you if there was a, a way to jump on an express bus from that lake forest mall location directly to shady grove maybe that can get more people to um join uh, take take the bus and you summarize it that's one of the big complaints i see it's like if i can drop my drive in my car and it's going to take me a half to a third as long to get to the metro versus taking a bus and it's going to take that much longer i'm not going to take the bus it's, it's not worth it but if you can give me something that's that's remotely similar you know i mean there is an equity issue we can talk about the equity of it and we got to have buses for and the free ridership i'm all for but the challenge is why have gigantic buses for those five to ten people yeah let's be more efficient about it let's have shorter buses and let's potentially have more frequent buses because at the end of the day we can do that yeah i like that more frequent buses as well as you're providing buses for people who different needs yep right and so you can provide the express buses and the local buses just as you mentioned just have them on the time schedule it's a little bit different yep so i think that makes sense um all right, so you know we've we covered a lot of topics on this episode, and I definitely thank you for joining the podcast. It's been a blast to interview my first candidate who's running for county council district seven. Is there anything closing you would like to offer to the listeners? 
I'd like to say, yeah, this was an enjoyable experience. I am really would love to represent and be the voice for this up county area. This is a really exciting time in Montgomery County. There's a lot of things that I hope and I think will change over the next four years with the new county council. I think it's going to be an exciting time to get us back into what I would call a growth phase through after the pandemic, utilize, um, you know, tap into the resources from these bills that are finally coming down from the federal government because we haven't got that infrastructure from the infrastructure bill yet. And that's coming in the next cycle. So we can have increase our infrastructure and transportation so that we're much better. I really want to see more environmental initiatives and create, making sure we have more solar panels on both commercial and residential as well as public facilities. I like that a lot. Because we got to do our part as the government to promote the environmental initiatives that we had set out there because i don't feel as a government we're we're doing we're, we're making strides don't get me wrong but i feel we can do better there are a lot of different places we can look at one of the ones i i like throwing out there are public parks because mm -hmm. we got large parking lots in the public parks you can put solar panels up there connect them to the grid and those can be another place where we can we can provide clean energy to lower middle lower moderately income people you know i also like that idea i've seen close by excuse me at um i think it's kaiser permanente here in rockville not too far away in yep. king's farm they built recently the covered parking and on the yep. top is all solar panels. Research Boulevard. Research Boulevard. Yeah. And it also has a few um, charging stations. Charging stations. I'm, I'm always for keen eye for that. Yep. Um, and there's a couple in the area that's less than five minutes away, by the way, that's all free. Um, and I like that not just obviously it's free, but that it's it's A, it's covering the cars there. So it's, it's, it's cutting down on cost for the, the person who's visiting that facility with, with the heat when it gets too hot in the summertime. So it helps keep the car cool. It also helps. You know, lots you provide lots of purposes, as you mentioned, but that could be done also in parks, right? All of those, uh, what do they call those shelters or those 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 spaces you can rent at different parks? Shelters, you pavilions. Can, pavilions. Pavilion. You could put, you know, some panels on those pavilions to provide lights to the tennis courts, for example, or the soccer fields, right? It's so much we can do. And it's not that far-fetched creativity. It's just looking at our current infrastructure and building upon that. I think that is something that I would like to see done throughout the county, but definitely here at District 7. Yeah. And the last thing I'll leave with is we, as the local government, there are a lot of different ways which revenue and taxes are generated. And we're, I'm looking at ways to streamline those type of things too, so we can be more efficient with our government and hopefully save the taxpayers money as uh, we progress into the, you know, for lack of a better words, I, I still tease the 21st century, but moving on in you know, the 2020s, the 2030s, so that we can be efficient as well as be smart government, permitting services. Uh, if anyone's on the call, does business, knows we need to work on that place so we're more efficient so people can open businesses quicker. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot that we need to work on, and I really hope you will vote for me so we can get a lot of this done. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Andrew Ensman joining the No Pants Required podcast. You can find him at andrewensman.com. That information is also in the episode description of this episode. I will be posting several items this week throughout social media to get the message out there. Um, if you have any questions you would like for me um, to ask on social media as it relates to local elections and why it matters to your wallet, please hit me up at X3C on Instagram and or on Twitter. 
So until next time, remember, positive energy leads to positive vibes. Don't forget to subscribe if this is your first time joining. No Pants Required can be found on Google Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Peace. Thank you.